kinds of cardboard boxes. What's in the box? Oh, what's in the box? It loses its value if you take it out of the factory. Hey, PDU crew, thanks so much for joining me. This is Avelio Matos on Package Design Unboxed. Today we're talking to Jenny Cairns. This is part two of a two-part series with London's famous Butterfly Cannon Studio. In part one, we discussed Butterfly Cannon's climatic table, which walks brands and designers through 28 key elements of sustainability. Today we're looking at Jenny's career and what it actually took to build a career as an innovation and sustainability expert as well as the steps that you can take to inject some innovation and sustainability into your own design process. Now, before we get to the episode, Apple just added a new plus button to the podcast app. Do me a favor and hit that button so we can see what it actually does on our end. Uh, we're really interested to see what happens. So do me that favor, hit that plus button. And if you want to support the podcast, you can subscribe or just leave a review wherever it is that you get your podcast. If you want to pick up a shirt, check out packagedesignunboxed.com. Now let's get to the show with Jenny from Butterfly Cannon Studio on Package Design Unboxed. Pentacles is celebrating our 16th annual competition. We have partnered with Package Design Unboxed to bring you exclusive content from our jury and previous winners. Our competition is currently open until the 1st of April. Pentacles would love to see your packaging designs. Submit them at pentacles.com. Hey, I want to introduce you to idpdirect.com. We recently won a Silver Pen Awards for collaborating on the future of sustainable packaging. If you want to work directly with the packaging manufacturer and you're tired of distributors and middlemen, check them out. Visit idpdirect.com to learn more. So today we've got Jenny Greenwood, who is the Innovation and Sustainability Manager at Butterfly Cannon. Jenny, how are you doing today? Yeah, I'm doing well. The sun's almost out. <laughs> <laughs> Bad, yeah, well, thanks. How about yourself? Oh, amazing. And you're you're in <laughs> London? Yeah, I am. Uh, well, normally I'm in the office Tuesday to Thursdays, but um, a few tube strikes today, so I'm basically at home today. Um, but yeah, we're in Hoburn, so right in the center of London. <laughs> oh, awesome, awesome. So I want to like I want to jump right into your title at Butterfly Cannon is Innovation and Sustainability Manager. So how do you build a career around innovation? As I go through your, your history, right? You've, you've been at Nirvana, which is all about innovation. You were at Pearl Fisher, um, you know, all about innovation. And now you're at Butterfly Cannon and it's innovation is the first thing in your title. So how do you build a career around innovation? Um, that is a very interesting question, actually. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess... I would say I didn't necessarily like walk in thinking that's what I was going to do as a, as a career. I just kind of accidentally fell into it, if that makes sense. Um, it wasn't like, oh, I want to be an innovation manager. Oh, I want to work in sustainability. Um, I kind of, like you said, I started out at Nirvana. I was in-house at Burberry then for over three years time and then went to Pearl Fisher for a few years. And then now I, I can for a number of years as well. Um, and it kind of, it was just something that I was very in, much interested in. When I was at um, Nirvana, I just, I had a lovely opportunity to be able to work with new materials and working direct with suppliers and how you make them work. So regards and innovation, it was innovation in materials and the thinking behind it and how you work with people to make their kind of, I guess their dreams or ideas come to life. I think that's the key thing. 
Um, so when I was there, I learned some amazing things about each material, the kind of positives, negatives, how you how you work with suppliers, because that's actually quite difficult. And then how you also work with a creative team. So I was working with like um, heads of design and packaging at Burberry and working in-house next to them. So it was a really interesting time. And then when I went to uh, Pearl Fisher, which was actually, I moved to that because although it was amazing working in-house at Burberry, which do some fantastic things, it was more the fact that I wanted a bit more variety and to work with different clients. So I was going from working with one client in-house all the time to then going and working with up to, I think at one point it was like 60 clients at the same time, which was a bit of a manic period of time. Um, and a lot less control because if you work in-house, you have all the control over what you're looking at because you're next to the people, you see the responses. Whereas I think sometimes when you go and work at an agency, you can come up with some really amazing ideas, but then you might not see what happens after that because you can hand stuff over or they have to go off and do their, their form of development or you work hand in hand depending on who you're working with. So it's quite interesting. But what I would say is from working in-house, it was really interesting because you were working side by side with those people. But then when you work on innovation projects now, I would say I'm getting all the information, like you're getting different information from all types of people from different businesses, not just one area. So you're seeing what they're saying. You, you talk through everything. You work, I work very closely with strategy in our, our studio so it's like understanding where nooks and crannies are and how you can get involved in that so i think i think it's a cool area to work in and so is sustainability because obviously that's a massive part of my job sure. and they actually i would say go hand in hand because a lot of the ways of approaching things they've probably been there the whole time you know how we should be working on things and we probably do it in different areas um but we don't necessarily have always done that in packaging so if i think of like Everyone now talks about the circular economy and things like that from a sustainability stance and you've got those different approaches, but they were kind of there for different, different areas already when you rented out a car or something like that. You didn't, you only had it for a certain period of time and then you, you gave that back and things like that. Whereas I think those kind of principles have been in place in a lot of products manufacturing, but now they're starting to come through in packaging and things like that. So you can learn from all different areas, which I think is quite cool. Yeah, no, absolutely. So it, it's um, just from an innovation standpoint, you know, learning about materials, not just learning about the materials, but being there, seeing how they're made. I guess it allows you to ask better questions. A hundred percent. So basically I would say no questions about question. I might take that back later on if someone asks me something. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, like I speak to everyone all the time. I think there's no better thing to have than is a com conversation with people. Have that open communication. It really bugs me when people don't just talk to people because you'll know someone who knows something or they'll know another person. And if like you speak to someone, they'll suggest, okay, I'm not someone who's an expert in this area, but my mate Dave, for example, is. Sure. I'll give you his number and you give them a call and then you speak to them and understand more as well. I think it's being open and transparent and going, I don't actually necessarily understand how that works. Show me how it works. Let me, I'm quite hands-on. That's why I like going to see suppliers. You get to see the whole process in front of you and you go, it all makes sense. Rather than, I think some people learn better through studying just in books and other people learn better through on the job. And I think I'm a bit of a combination of it. It kind of sticks in your head when you see it happen or you work on a project and you go, oh, I remember this issue. Oh, we can we can get past this by doing X, Y, and Z. And you learn from each accomplishment and, you know, 
devastation. <laughs> each, time, <laughs> each time you go do something that's a good time or a bad time, you always learn, yeah. learn something new, which I think is really good and it sticks with you. So I think learning from all those around you and definitely understanding materials, I think is really crucial. I'm actually um, doing a diploma in packaging technology at the moment, just because I was speaking to a few people and they were like, how can you, um, how can you talk about sustainability if you don't know the ins and outs of all materials? Surely you need to understand that. I was like, yeah, you're right. And I do have some of that background from working a lot on papers and, and glass, not, not as much in plastics, but I know some on plastics. Sure. But from those backgrounds and projects I've worked on. So, yeah, I'm doing a course even now just because I think you're right. Why? How can you talk fully and transparently about everything if you don't think about the whole process? So, yeah, it's always a learning day. A hundred percent. And I think that's, uh, you know, we have that conversation quite often is, um, you know, there are no bad questions. And, you know, don't specify materials unless you really know what the materials are. You know, obviously you can, but it's so much more, you make such better decisions when you're familiar with the process. Like where's this material coming from? You know, how is it milled? Like there's so many, there's so many different questions that you don't know unless you actually are part of the process. And then when you become part of the process, you're like, why didn't I always ask? That was like such a simple question. Yeah. Where did that come from? Why did someone yeah. not tell me? Why are you not telling me? Like, kind of, and it is actually really difficult to get some of the answers because a lot of the suppliers that you might work with won't necessarily be the direct manufacturers. It'll be like a middleman. So sometimes it's difficult to get some of those answers because it's not necessarily something that's in their book of answers for things. They have to go back to the mills that they yeah. work with, ask and question. Um, but I think overall, that's probably, probably a good thing. I'm, I'm hoping I'm also helping them know something more about their own products that they sell as well as what I'm hoping. I'm not, yeah. <laughs> not a good person, not just that annoying person who rings up and asks a lot of questions all the time. But yeah, I think the more you understand about it and the more you can understand whether you need to put a certain percentage of... I'll, I'll give a good example, actually, I think. There was a project that I worked on that we got to... We wanted to try and get 100% recycled content in a paper bag. Um, which seems like it would make the most logical sense and be something super easy. But the weight of the product that was going into it meant it was so heavy that it would just, the fibers would break and then the bag, it wouldn't, it wouldn't be suitable for the job. It would just mean you walk out of a store, you put the, the product in it. And then within like 10 minutes, maybe it might range slightly or wherever you are in the world. And then the base would drop out and then you'd be, who would ever want that? That's not even fit for purpose. There's no point. So although it was a lovely idea to try and go down that route, it was then we had to do lots of testing to get back to realize that the maximum we could put in anything was 40% at that point in time, whilst keep, keeping the strength of fibers that we needed. So I think you learn all those kind of things as you go along and you can do, I mean, the recycling process has got a lot better over the course of time. That was quite a few years back, but you learn all those kind of things as you go along and you go, I've got all these good intentions. Right. Let's, let's test, let's try and make it work. Let's work out why it's not working. Let's discuss what, opportunities there are here think about it fully discuss with everyone what's going on so yeah as a sustainability manager how do you define sustainability how do you define sustainable packaging oh how would i define sustainable packaging that is actually really tricky yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> I would say every every brand that you speak to they're like we want to be sustainable and when you go yeah. As soon as you ask them, all right, well, what does sustainability mean to you? They all kind of pause. I think, 
right yeah no it's, it's very difficult because i think it also you have to think about the entire context of what you're working in yeah. so sustainability for one company might mean one thing but for another one it would mean something different not to add confusion to everything because it right. is quite, <laughs> quite a field of things but what what could be the correct route for a material for example for a beverage brand may be the completely wrong material for food because it's not food compliant and things like that so it's actually thinking about overall what your product is and what you're packaging and ensuring that it's fit for purpose and you're always protecting those goods but you're also thinking about okay throughout the entire supply chain I think is the most crucial part that's where I think people stumble at they just go oh, I want it to like you said a lot of people just go I want it to be sustainable um and it's kind of like okay well what's the bigger picture what what does sustainability mean to you as a company like some people might say we're going to go for 100 recycled plastics and then you might come across the hurdles that you come across there or they might right. go do you know what i want to be compostable i don't want to be something that you reuse i want to be something that once it's once you're done with it you then dispose of it in this manner um and i think it's i think a large part of that is discussing with each person what is kind of going on with their business how it's working what the in all honesty, it sounds awful, but what the timeframes are for things. Sure. Some people want to do some amazing things. And I love the fact that everyone wants to do that because that is at the heart of innovation. They're really trying to push things and think of it in a new way. But that also takes time and testing. Yeah. And if someone turns around in a meeting and goes, we've got nine months launch, you go, yeah. well, you're limited on what materials you can use. So let's think about what we can use to the best of our ability. Or they might go, we don't have budgets to change our lines, which is a massive, <laughs> massive yeah. part of it as well. <laughs> You can't if if you're running in a certain way and you have to fill a perfume bottle in a certain way and you must continue down that route and you don't have the budget to change it, then you could say, okay, well, in a couple of years' time, when you hopefully are getting the budgets and you can see the positivity in this, could you change to this kind of machinery? Or can we at the moment work with what we've got? But do we I'm not saying lightweight the material is always the right way, or right weighing, I should say, because it's not always about making it so light that then it breaks because that would be awful, but it's getting the right right weight of it. But if you can't do some of the other things, then maybe that is the kind of steps that you take. So for me, I think a sustainable brand is one that thinks about the entire picture. It's one that thinks about where are you getting your materials from? How are you, how are you manufacturing them? How are you distributing them? How are you, because you could be doing amazing things, but you go, oh, I need to make this. So we're just going to, we're going to fly it over. Don't worry, we'll just fly it over after all this <laughs> hard work we've taken. But then, you know, we've run out of time and we need to launch. So let's just air freight it. And you go, oh, well, that was. <laughs> <laughs> and then it's also like just making sure that you're really, I think is super clear. So I, I, like I put into these four categories every time. It's always what your resources are. So what are your materials and how, where they're coming from? Why are you getting from them? So for example, on some of the products we've worked with clients is they've asked for two contradicting things that aren't possible. One was I want um, an accredited material. So, you know, I want to make sure that what the papers and boards are we using are FFC or PFC. I need to prove that we're not causing deforestation. But then they've also asked for local materials. And you go, well, I'm really sorry, but in your country at the moment, there aren't any local materials that are certified like that's not what your country is known for and also it's really really bad so it's very difficult to get both things so it goes which one's more important to you is it to prove that you you're helping because then it's kind of a toss-up isn't it you go are you trying to help support jobs but then in the end there could be deforestation because of that or do you also at the same time try and 
get into your own country if you're a big company some way of making sure that there is FSC or PFC or there's someone who's managing those forests in the correct way in your area so you can carry on to grow in that way or move to that in the long term so I think there's always a toss-up between everything but yeah if you go for what your materials are that you're using how you're manufacturing them because a lot of again I, I don't mean this to sound bad but um you'll get some people who they could do a great job but they might not be using the best labor practices so they're not really treating their people as good as what they should be sure that's a, and that's a massive thing so you have to think okay well who am i working with like see what they're like as a company how what are they doing and things like that how are they improving not only the quality of work that they produce because it could be phenomenal but also what they're ethically doing as well and then i think when you get to distribution it's like i said before are you shipping loads of air are you air freighting things everywhere mm-hmm. are you thinking about whether that can be more localized or a lower volume or a lower weight, how can things fit together in say the container space that you have? And then you go into closing the loop, which in my opinion is, right, you've done all these things, you're going on the supply chain, it's now gone to the consumer, they're consuming their goods. And then what happens then? Like how do they either refill or how do they, um, how are they incentivized to take something back? How are they, recycling these if something isn't very clear and you're <laughs> I gave an analogy at work the other day where it's like if you're stood in front of the bin at our office and you're asking me what to do with the packaging something it's, not, <laughs> it's, not, it's not doing its job I know it's a very complex area but it's then not doing its job so yeah I think there's those kind of ways you have to think about the entire supply chain yeah. and working together I think like communicating with one another and if you're using external agencies like someone like ourselves, it's working together to ensure we're all on the same page. You don't not provide all the information, for example. Yeah. 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 A big part of it is just educating, educating the consumer or right? having that conversation with them, not yeah, expecting I mean, them to know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Not, not everyone's going to be a material scientist and people <laughs> want to, I think, <laughs> and I think if you expect everyone to be, that's a bit of a, a long shot. I do, I think educating the consumer, but also making it really clear and easy to understand for them. Like no one wants to, at the end of like eating a chocolate bar or like having a nice gin and tonic, get to the end of their drink and then go, where am I going to put this? And they're like looking around on the label, trying to find out stuff, but it's got so much information that you're not going to read it. Like how often do you actually read the entire ingredients on the back of a shampoo bottle? Like if you, if you're not making it very easy and clear for people, then it's not going to be helpful and I, I did like a, again <laughs> another analogy as I seem to be doing at the moment but I said um to basically the owner the other day saying like if if you think about how you're creating messaging you need to make it very clear and simple because a bit like if someone was driving a car and they hadn't taken a theory test it would just be absolute chaos out there we have to all kind of have this global sense of understanding of the same key aspects, whether it's a symbol with some form of wording, you need to be able to make it so it's appropriate for that area, the language, but also easy enough to go through. And that's why I think, hopefully, navigating the roads, once you learn to drive, you're educated in that way. So therefore you're educated in the correct way to do things. So if you make it simple and understandable and approachable and not scary, then hopefully it's easier for people to do. And you're not, it's also not this horrible I go to a lot of conferences and it's not this horrible one where you get 
packaging packaging people saying, well, my packaging is recyclable. It's the consumer's fault. And then the consumer's fault going like, it's the brand's fault. And you go in between yeah. of all these people just having a go each other. And you don't really get anywhere because all people are doing is just going like pointing yeah. the finger at someone else. <laughs> so I think it's it's you've got to make that, like you said, that education really clear for people to understand what's going on and just really simple as well. No one wants to read a paragraph at the end of something. <laughs> and I want to get into I want to get to Butterfly Canon because Definitely a huge fan of everything you guys have, have done over the years. Um, but I did have a question. You know, I'm seeing a lot of water brands are moving into aluminum. And it seems like that might that material might be a little bit overkill for the product. So it is recyclable. There's a whole story around aluminum. That's great, but is it is it the right material? I guess if you think of every material. There is no perfect material. Everything has its pros and cons. And I think if you were to think of um, aluminium and how that is, like I said, if you think about right from the very beginning again, and if you think all the way through, you know, aluminium is mined and converted. So that's how it works. You have to mine stuff out of the ground and then you're creating this horrible toxic area. But then, and it's really energy intensive. But then, like you said, at the end of life, it's infinitely recyclable. It stays in that form. So it won't degrade. So therefore, if you are going to be using something like aluminium, you want to make sure that you're not always just mining virgin material because you're not helping the earth by doing that. It's really toxic if you see the sites around it. And there's only certain countries that have the areas where you can mine for it. So I think if you're going to go down aluminium, you have to be thinking, ensuring that that's not going into the wrong waste stream because that's the worst thing you can do. Because if that goes into the wrong one, there's nothing else you can do with it. And then ensuring that you're not using a lot of virgin material because you're just constantly helping provide more mining and more digging up of the earth. But then if if you think of other classic alternative materials, so, you know, we are seeing a lot of paper bowls that have like basically a balloon on the inside, (laughs) adding a bit more confusion. But there are, there are, Mm. innovations coming in that way where you're that there, there are barrier properties that people are making that are really interesting that should mean that those that paper doesn't need to be in a balloon on the inside so there are innovations that come it just takes a while um and then if you think of something like glass and you're thinking it's the classic i won't think of water not because i don't drink water <laughs> uh, but, if think, but if i think of beer just because i always think that the two things that you you see it you see a can of beer in aluminium and you see a bottle of beer in glass as the standard ones that you see on the shelves. Like if you think of the pros and cons of it, you've got glass that basically you, it's again, you can recycle it. People know it. You can see the liquid. You can't see the liquid in aluminium. So people know what they're getting. So it depends on what the product is and people's, you know, how important it is to see the product and maybe the fill level as well. But then you've got other negatives along the lines of, you know, it's really heavyweight. You tend to be able to add in a certain amount of recycled content into it, but then you start to change the color of it. If you're after transparency, that was the reason for using it, or you start to add in imperfections to the bottle that, to be honest with you, look absolutely beautiful in my opinion, <laughs> but <laughs> in a production line could cause some of the issues that could cause cracking later on and stuff like that in transit and things like that and filling. So I don't think there's a, a perfect material. I'm not, I wouldn't say I'm anti any of them i'm not going to be like that is the world's 
worst material like oh disgusting I can't believe you're using that but I would probably straight away look at it and go well what's the product in there and why do you use that because then it makes sense you think about what what the functions are or something you go okay yeah okay we need to use it for this way okay the, no one's going to bite if they can't see that vodka is clear or something like that you know? <laughs> <laughs> see, they need to make sure that's not come from like because there's that lack of trust or uh, for water, like you do get a lot of aluminium ones as well. And you also get a lot of plastic ones and normally PET. And I, I, I know everyone is really, really anti-plastics mm-hmm. at the moment. Like if you see all the papers, if you see everything online, TV, everything, it's like, it's seen as like the worst material in the world. Um, but I just, I think that's, it's kind of being put onto a lot of pressure and uh, what everyone now sees as it it's it was when it was originally made everyone's like my god this is a miracle material we can do so much with this isn't it fantastic you can make it on mass it can do so many things you can basically it can be in a liquid state it can be in a solid state uh, depending on what type of plastic it is you can then redo that all over again it's cheap to manufacture but then again it's seen as the trash of what everyone it's what you see down your roads as trash it's what like if there's going to be littering anywhere that's the key thing that you see and people go to like chocolate bar wrappers or to um a plastic water bottle for example yeah. and you see that as a negative and i think a large chunk of it is people don't seem to go that each material has a value it's worth something it costs money to make things it's it's got a value to it and if we haven't really on plastics, unfortunately, I don't think people really, because it's quite a new material, really, if you think of it in comparison to using metals and glass and papers, they've been around for ages. Um, but plastics is a relatively new innovation, but we just didn't tell people what to do with it afterwards. We didn't put any infrastructure in place. There wasn't any understanding of it. If you were to accidentally, and I don't condone anyone doing this whatsoever, accidentally litter a bit of paper, you're not going to really see that very obviously later on down the road after years and years and be like, God, look at all that trash that's on the side. Whereas on plastic, you're going to see it immediately because it's not going to degrade in that way. So it's always going to have a really bad reputation, especially after how everyone's seen everything in the oceans, which I I really don't condone at at all. I don't think it's good good for anyone. I can see why it's got this negative press. But I also do think it's an amazing material that we should really, <laughs> no, I don't know whether I'm allowed to say that word, like really, really, really like slag off. Like it's now <laughs> turned off into a, a position where people are just, no matter what you do, it could be the perfect material. It's got a lower carbon footprint than a lot of them. And you go, great, I can use this on this material because it makes sense. You know, think of all the hygienic things that we need to use inside hospitals, in medicines that are delivered to people. Like it makes sense but it's, it's got this really bad rap at the moment. So I think it's about consumer education and also making sure we have just infrastructure in place if you're going to use some of those other materials like plastics and things like that. It's just, it's very difficult because a lot of people are just saying, I don't want to be involved in plastics anymore. But then you also have to think, you're making an aluminium can. That's going to have some plastic on it. You've got a cap. It's, it's lined with plastics. Like when you get a crown cap on a bib bottle, that's got a line of plastic on it. Like... It's there. You just don't realize it. It's just not as obvious as just seeing the only material that you think of like that. So, yeah, and it, it goes back to no, and it goes back to your 
your, your point of you know asking better questions. That's it for the show. Thanks so much for joining us on Package Design Unboxed. If you have any questions, you can find me on LinkedIn. I'm always available for questions. Once again, check us out at packagedesignunboxed.com. Check out SpecRite, the number one platform for specification management. Not sure what board your box uses? Not sure how many colors or how much headspace your packaging requires? If you don't spec right, you'll guess wrong. Specrite.com.